that would be our dream to to see more companies measuring, tracking their impact and improving their impact along the way. Welcome to the Responsibly Different podcast, sharing stories and insights from people harnessing purchasing power as a force for good. Have you had to write an impact report lately? Uh, I know I'm in the middle of one right now and it is quite the challenge. Uh, Or maybe you're a certified B Corp and you're up for recertification and you intimately know the challenge of finding all your data that you need to report on to B Lab every three years for your recertification. If you've struggled with writing impact reports or tracking and documenting your impact over time, today's guest is your new best friend. Polina Pinchevsky, the creative director at Roundpeg, is our guest today. And she, along with two other B Corp founders, Alyssa Hare and Russ Stoddard, have created a tool called Unit of Impact to help you track your impact and easily generate your annual impact reports. Polina also shares some great frameworks for how you can be thinking about telling the story of your impact in a meaningful way. You're going to want to be sure to listen through to the end as we share a discount code for 20% off at Unit of Impact through the end of this year. Without much further ado, let's jump on in. First off, Polina, welcome. Uh, so excited to have you here. To kind of kick us off, will you tell the audience a little bit about, about yourself and, and UNIT? Yes. Thank you for having me on. I'm I'm always excited to talk about UNIT as it's our new venture. And it's, a, it's an interesting story, so I'm happy to share it. I wouldn't have predicted that I would be sitting in this seat two years ago. Completely a surprise to me. It wasn't my uh, plan. But, you know, life turns a I guess, different directions. So my first business is called Roundpeg, and Roundpeg has been in business for 19 years as a marketing agency. We've been working in a social impact space since our beginnings, primarily working with nonprofits in the early days. And then in 2012, when we became a B Corp, we shifted gears a little bit and got really excited about working with social entrepreneurs and the other B Corps. So made a push to get into that space and then eventually also got into doing some advocacy campaigns and social action campaigns for our local government. I am based in um, Montgomery County, right outside of Washington, D.C. So it's a very politically active area and there's a lot going on. So and then pandemic hit and everything sort of changed uh, very, very quickly and for the first time in at that point in 17 years, I was off my treadmill. Like I had time to think and I had my client work came to a hold. And suddenly I was, I was thinking, okay, like, you know, what's next? What do I want to do? Where do I want to take ground back? How is this, you know, economic situation is going to impact people we work with? Like I, there was just a lot on my mind and. And for once, I actually had time to take to think it through. And I realized that the best way to, you know, find maybe some answers was to reach out to my friends in the B Corp community. And that's what I did. And Lord and behold, out of that unit was born. So in conversations with pals and friends and mentors, essentially, we've realized that there's a real need for tracking and measuring data, and then finding a way to report that data. And it was kind of, it's kind of like a wild west. Nobody is, um, there's no standardized ways of doing it necessarily. So I was having more and more of these conversations and, you know, a business idea started to form, but it was still very foggy. I was still very unclear what that might look like. So myself and a, and a close friend of mine, Ross started from Oliver Russell, decided to come together and do a research project. I mean, we are both own agencies. Both of us were dead slow. There wasn't a whole lot of client work. 
So we said, okay, hey, let's take this opportunity and the time we have in our hands to design a research survey and just find out what's really going on with impact measurement and then, you know, how are people are doing it? Where are their pain points? So we started, we did this research project and very quickly in analyzing the results, realized that, wow, there's like a business opportunity here. Like, should we maybe take this up a notch and, and make a company and actually build a tool? So that's that's the origin story. That was two years ago, and Unit of Impact launched in the middle of September during Build Southeast, and um, there's no turning back. That's so exciting. That's amazing. So can you speak a little bit to what Unit is? Is it actually, like, is it an app that measures... And, sure. and what is it? And what are we measuring? Is it actual impact, or are we measuring like carbon, or or? or sure. Tell let me, me more about let me that. tell you a little bit more about it. So it's a SaaS platform. So it's a tool for a lot of companies that lives online in the cloud. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your desktop. You could do it, you know, anywhere. It's basically like any like Mailchimp or many of the other kind of typical uh, software tools that businesses use for their operations. It's just another tool for their toolbox. But in this case, it helps you annually from year to year track your impact across four modules. We've specifically picked four modules and that you know, people, community, environment, and governance. So those, we, we felt like those were sort of baseline, you know, modules. If you, if you doing something at all, you're probably doing something in a community where you're getting involved with your local community. You may be volunteering, you may be donating in kind goods, maybe you're donating money. Like most companies kind of start their social impact journey and the entry point is often the community. So if, if you're doing anything, you're probably doing something with your community. And often the very next logical step is the environment. People start wondering, how can we run green operations? How, what do we need to do to have like a less of a footprint? So that's often step two. So which is why we included it. And we, and we designed this entire platform to be very accessible and easily understandable. So, and then from there, you might start thinking about people that work in a company. Are you paying a living wage? What kind of policies do you have? What kind of benefits? What kind, what kind of diversity is on your team? So how do we measure that so we can make some meaningful progress? And then governance um, is, is very strategically included because public benefit corporations are actually required by a number of states in the country to report their impact on an annual basis. So it's a requirement from um, the legislation that was put in place for public benefit corporations. And for them, it's really critical to have a way to do an easy impact report. So that's the fifth module of the tool is actual impact reporting, where you can Use some of the data that you have and use our pre-designed templates that give you a script, if you will. You know, there's a, there's a template, but there's also verbal prompts and examples for various pieces of the impact report that kind of like hold your hand and walk you through as you're doing it. So you don't have to spend a lot of money hiring an agency like ours to do the work because I we've done this professionally. I know what goes into it. And, you know, you don't have to spend hours and hours on the internet reading blogs and trying to, and looking at impact reports and trying to figure out, like, what is the structure? What's required to be included? If I'm a public benefit corporation, what are the mandates in my state? What do I need to say to, make, to meet the legal requirement? You know, what are the best practices? Like, all of that we've done. We've done all that work and incorporated it into our templates. So you can just kind of whiz through it. That's amazing. And so I'm so curious, how does that, um, like I'm thinking about the B impact assessment, right? And, and B Corp land, how does that play? Because a lot of those modules seem similar to like the B Corp assessment. Yeah. It sounds like that will also help folks with the BIA, right? It sounds like it's pulling some of that information. So you're not only getting an impact report, but maybe it's also helping you with the BIA. So the BIA is really intense, right? We, if, 
anybody who's a B Corp has had a nightmare or two about how to get through the BIA. <laughs> we all know it. And it's for good reason. I don't fault them for it. It's, it's, just, it's by design that it's so intense because it's really trying. It's a certification. It's trying to make sure that no one is doing any greenwashing, that you actually have documentations that proves that you do what you say you do. And that, you know, as a certification, they need to set a really high standard. We are not a certification. We're not pretending to be. We're not certifying anybody. We're not. There's plenty of certifications out there. There is no need to have a new one. You know, what we are trying to do is give companies that are either already certified as B Corps a way to track their impact easier from year to year. Because another caveat, the BAA certification, you only do every three years. So what happens in those in-between years? Mm. I mean, take a wild guess. Nobody does anything right like those right and you and you still have to create impact reports annually so the work continues if you're a company doing that that's fantastic but most companies kind of get into this three-year cycle with these two sleepy years and then a year of furious activity and it makes it much much harder to do that third year because now you have to dig back two years you know and try to find data so it so we purposely designed the modules and unit of impact with B Corps in mind so that they do mirror the assessment so companies can use it from year to year. And when it does come up on that third year of certification, they're like, oh, great, I have my data. Like, I don't need to go digging through you know, files from two years ago to try to remember where the heck did we volunteer that November or how much money did we give two years ago and who did we give it to? You know, So it, it is really a way to create, for B Corps at least, to create consistency. And then, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of B Corps out there who are doing phenomenal work, you know? I mean, I'm sure in your podcast, you talk to folks, they're doing, there's some companies out there who are doing just phenomenal work, but they don't really talk about it all that much. You know, they don't, not always sure how to talk about it. They're not even sure where to talk about it. Is it marketing? It feels kind of a little sleazy to call it marketing. So it's just sort of, doesn't get talked about. And that's a real missed opportunity for everyone. So I think and for a lot of companies, especially companies that are a little larger, a lot of times the employees don't even know what the company is doing, right? Outside of the C-suite, sometimes many of the on-the-ground workforce is not always aware of all the initiatives the company may be involved in. So, so for many companies, I'd say do an impact report if nothing else, as an internal communications tool, as to get make sure everybody knows what, what's going on, everybody remembers what you guys all did together as a company, everybody knows what your priorities are for the upcoming year, um, you know, so it's a great internal comps tool, you know, and then it's pretty obvious how it works as an external communications tool, you know, I'm sure for many, you know, B2C companies, their customers want to know, What's your supply chain like? You know, who are your uh, vendors? How are you working with your suppliers? Or where is this product coming from? How is it being made? Who are the people making the product? You know, so all of that is important to communicate out. And now you even seeing interest in the investor community where the investors kind of want to know what are the ESG metrics for any given companies. So there's different ways to use an impact report. But it's very useful in this day and age. So finding a way to do it inexpensively is the challenge. And in our market research, we found a number of excellent tools that are targeting enterprise level, right? They're they're expensive. Enterprise level means large companies, expensive subscriptions. So there's some really good tools out there. I think some of the you know, I'm not worried about Patagonia's of the world. Right? Right. They've got it covered. <laughs> uh, or Ben and Jerry or, you know, some of the bigger players. Uh, but it's the smaller companies that are in the social impact space that are doing a lot of grassroots work and a lot of hands-on work and really active players in their communities. Hmm. 
and often attend people or less, you know, sometimes it's three or four people company, but they have an outsized impact. And yet, you know, it's, they really no tool out there that helps them measure and track and importantly, communicate it out. That's affordable. That's not going to break the bank. And that's not going to take a full-time sustainability consultant to help them implement. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and so circling back to B Corp land, so I know um, that you created essentially, if I'm understanding right, a hub of B Corps working together to design unit. Um, how did how did that manifest? Yeah. I love the B Corp community, like wholeheartedly. I've been invested in it for 10 years. And along the way, I I really like, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. I've made some really, really good friends. And now I have two business partners who come from the B Corp community. So I don't think unit would exist, though I would be in business if it wasn't for the B Corp community, because I wouldn't have met these people, you know, so um, both Russ and Elisa, my two co-founders, Elisa is based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Russ in, in Boise, Idaho. And Russ and I started working together, and we met through the B Corp community. And Elisa and I met through uh, a B Corp group of female CEOs called We the Change. So that's a pretty amazing group of women that's built a really strong community since its first gathering in 2017 at Eileen Fisher offices in New York. And I met Elisa back then, and we just hit it off. And I was always struck by her kind of, just to give you an example. So Eileen Eileen Fisher gets 200 women together. They're all B Corp CEOs in this beautiful space in their offices, upstate New York. The meeting is one day. We all come together the next morning as everybody's leaving and pulling their bags and checking out and, you know, saying their goodbyes. Someone says, holy moly, there's a website up for our organization. And it turns out that Elisa went home, ordered a, a, you know, ordered a pizza, got some beer and built a website overnight for the organization. Wow. And we, the change.net was born that night. And is still active to this day. I was just so struck by her like ingenuity and she didn't ask permission. She didn't ask for a committee. She didn't ask. She just went and did it. You know, That's amazing. I love that entrepreneurial spirit. So when it was time to look for a co-founder for unit who was really versed in t- and had good tech skills, Alisa was the first person I approached. Now she's a, you know, a woman in her 30s and is a mom of two kids and has a has a business um, digital web agency in North Carolina. I was sure she was going to say, are you kidding me? I don't have bandwidth for one more project. Like I am barely hold, holding on as is. But at least being Elisa, she was like, this is really interesting. You know, let me think about it. And a few days later, she's like, I'm in. Let's do this. I totally get it. So that was really exciting. And the funny thing is we, Alisa, Russ, and I have been working together for the past two years, and Russ and Alisa have never met in person. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so um, if, you, if, you, if you were to be a fly on a wall and listen to our team calls, you would think that we've known each other forever, but the two of them have never actually even met. We're hoping that will happen in November when there's a B Corp retreat in Philly, that the three of us can finally come you know, together in person and have a mini retreat. But um, yeah, the B Corp community has just been also incredibly supportive as this process evolved. We did, uh, you know, I probably approached everybody, including you, I think, at some point about doing user interviews. I just wanted to know, like, how do you got, how's your company doing this? Where are your pain points? What are you struggling with? What's on your mind? Like, what would you like to have? Like, what's missing? You know, how can this be easier? So I talk to, I easily talk to 70 or 80 people over the course of the summer of just, you know, doing my kind of user, user interviews, figuring out what people want. 
And the majority of those connections and those phone calls of those uh, were based with B Corp folks. It's because after 10 years, I've had so many relationships already in place. And when it came time to select our beta testers, we've had we've had 24 companies who were with us through the build-out process of about 18 months that were our beta testers, and about half of them were B Corps. So, and that was also that the fact that this company said, "Sure, I'm willing to, you know, try this out and give you a feedback." I don't think they would have done that if it wasn't for. Just the general, you know, obviously having a relationship, but also B Corps tend to be more risk takers, you know, more Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial, more open to new ideas, more willing to try new things. I think there's less of that status quo kind of attitude all around. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I remember, I remember that, um, that when we chatted about the the interview, because I remember even just talking to you in the interview was super helpful to me because we were going through, our very first assessment. And I was like, I don't know how to measure any of the things. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so excited you're building a thing because we need it so bad. <laughs> I was so stunned. I will never forget our conversation because I didn't, I went back and, you know, described it to my partners. It was like, this guy wanted to know so much and to be, wanted to be so accurate and precise he like unscrewed all the light bulbs and checked their wattage to make sure that he was getting the right data. Like, I've never heard of that. So I was like, wow, that's commitment. <laughs> I was like, and yeah, there's got to be an easier way than uh, doing that kind of, you know, work. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I would love an easier way. Um that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious, did you all agree that you saw kind of it sounds like you all saw the same challenge across all these different B Corps and social enterprises um, looking for help communicating their impact? What as you kind of were uncovering those things and, and digging through the research, what was what was, what were your findings? Like what was really coming clear? Well, um. It was very interesting because we purposely wanted to get data back, not just from B Corps, but public benefit corporations as well and other traditional businesses. So, you know, so that we have like we would have a little bigger understanding of the landscape. And it ended up being pretty, pretty interesting. The breakdown came down to about 63% of people who participated in our research were mission-driven organization. So about two-thirds and one-third, 37% were traditional businesses. And that helped us see how their responses diverged because there were clearly, you know, very clear differences in how they approached the topic of measuring and tracking the social environmental epic and what they're interested in. And a small percentage of the mission-driven organizations were both B Corps and public benefit corporations. Um, It was only 16% that were kind of that highest, highest elite tier that were both. So in terms of the, you know, a few of the interesting data points is that, you know, everybody across the board pick data analytics and data collection as their like number one problem. Mm. You know, it was, it was really hard to like find a way to collect the data, to manage the data, to analyze the data, to see the data change over time. How do, where do you even keep the data? Like how many Excel sheets do we need to have? It was no surprise that that was like a big pain point. And what did surprise us that the second pain point that that tied almost with the data collection that came, you know was planning. So planning for impact reporting was really hard. Do it once people got over the planning and assigned the team and figured out the timeline. Like I think they felt like better about it and they were getting it done. But the angst and anxiety and pressure to like the plan for it seemed to be like the next hurdle. So that was really interesting. And then there were differences in terms of what companies were interested in. So the traditional businesses, that one third, were really interested in environmental measurements. 
you know, and that makes sense, you know, because we in a B Corp community have a lot of resources at our disposal that B Lab, the organization behind the certification, provides. And there are a lot of knowledge experts in the community who are always talking about it. And just going through the assessment, you learn so much about the environmental measurements. But if you're not part of that, if you haven't done this, if you're not part of the B Corp community, it's kind of like a wild west, you know, because you're really not sure what you should be measuring, what matters, what doesn't matter. The terminology is confusing, you know, carbon neutral, carbon offsets, carbon credits, like, what does it all mean? What should I be doing? Like, it just gets, and then you try to Google these terms and you get like, bazillion results and you get like super overwhelmed so i was not a surprise to us that a lot of the traditional businesses were like help us figure out the environmental measurements like what could be the top three things we could be measuring that are like doable approachable simple you know what what's the entry point so that made a lot of sense and for a lot of founders in a social impact space communicating your brand story was the number one thing they wanted help with so they were really struggling with how to communicate that social impact that didn't sound like they were bragging, that didn't sound like they were, it was a, mar, a you know, sales, a marketing piece. They just were uncomfortable or didn't have enough tools. So they clearly wanted help with that. And then employees, folks who, who, who were, you know, filling out the survey on behalf, who were not founders or CEOs, but just working within the company, for a lot of the employees by that role, the number one thing that they wanted was more training on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. And, you know, given that this was happening um, two years ago, 2020, that was when, you know, this really came to a forefront and there was a lot of conversation going on about Jedi issues. And so it was not a surprise that this was a hot, topic on the minds of a lot of employees. So that was pretty interesting. And then when it came to just like what exactly people are measuring already and what is being tracked, it is really no surprise that the number one category, 70, 70, 70% of companies we taught that took the um, survey measure nonprofit donation. So that kind of validated our idea that community is the entry point. You know, if a company that is getting engaged with, with the community that is doing something with their local nonprofits, donating money is, you know, kind of it's a step one on that in, in social impact journey that, you know, it's the stepping stone to more and more work. So it was no surprise Nonprofit donation and volunteer hours was 60%. So 17, 60%, two of the highest like data points were all in the community section. And then it went very quickly into composting. So energy use, recycling, buying, buying local uh, were the next metrics that people were consistently using. And they were all in like, you know, from 40 to 20% of being and then the rest were like abysmal numbers where folks were barely scratching the surface in terms of measuring other, you know, data points. So that was really useful for us because it made it clear to us that let's start at the baseline, mm-hmm. you know, let's create something that not just, you know, targeting B Corps that are like super advanced when it comes to understanding their social impact and just by nature of the certification, have done a lot of the legwork to figure out how to how it all works. But let's create something that's available for companies like public benefit corporations that have done that step one of governance, but kind of lagging and everything else and not sure how to do it. So maybe this would be a way to help them you know, understand what a couple of simple things we can do in each of the categories that could get us onboarded onto this social impact ramp. And maybe, you know, a year or two down the lane, we'll be ready for a B Corp certification. Ton more public benefit corporations in this country than they are B Corps. Like by a magnitude of 
I don't know, 300% or so, you know, there. Oh, wow. So <laughs> there's about 15,000 registered public benefit corporations in the United States spread out across 41 states. There's about 2,000 B Corp corporations in the United States. Wow. So you could see how, you know, in terms of the market space and companies that we would love to see measuring the impact and reporting the impact, public benefit corporations. That makes sense. Well, and, and I think in, correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is that in most states where there's public benefit corporation legislation, really the only thing you have to do is a annual impact report, right? Like legally, you're like compelled yeah, to do it's that. It's, it's, there's, I wish there was a way to say this is what it is, but it's really unique um, to, in each state. Each state wrote its own legislation and it's differs state by state dramatically. So in, um, it's pretty rigid in California, not a surprise that California has pretty rigid rules about it. But then Delaware, the state where with the most public benefit corporations and the state that's super popular for incorporation, right? Like C-Corps, a lot of them are registered in Delaware, even if the company is headquartered elsewhere, um, has the most lax PBC laws on the books. So you could be a public um, benefit corporation registered in the state of Delaware and don't have to do an impact report. So it oh, really is, a, it's very specific to the state and it varies tremendously. Some states require you to have a third party standard that, that you know, like a B-lapse or fair trade or some other standard, sort of some other sort of certification. Other states are totally fine with self-certifying. So it's, it really is interesting how each state kind of wrote their own laws. And I probably would venture to say that none of them are enforcing it. So <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's really going on? <laughs> right. That's amazing. So I, and I'm curious, too. So something that I saw when I was reading about UNIT was this ability about kind of, and, and you've touched on this, that a huge struggle that you all saw was folks being able to communicate uh, their brand story uh, being such a huge mm -hmm. challenge. And can you share a little bit how your product UNIT is helping folks with communicating that brand story? Sure. So one of the first things we did is set a Google alert for impact reports so that for the past two years, every week, I, I get to see all the new impact reports that, that get published and do a quick audit to see which ones stand out and how folks, you know, are, are using this tool to communicate their sustainability and social metrics. And I have to say it's getting better, but... A lot of times, they're not all that well done. And, you know, in my user interviews, I ask that question, like, how are you doing it? Who in your company is doing it? How much, how well do you think you're communicating your brand story in it? And over and over, I got this response that was kind of like, eh, we're kind of a little bit embarrassed by our impact report. Like, we do it because we think we should do it, but it's usually not that great so we don't promote it all that much it's kind of like a link on our website and if somebody finds it great but we don't go out of our way to share it or promote it or, or tell people about it because it's really like not that amazing you know we're just on the fence about it so and I kept hearing that a lot and it really made me wonder like how do we turn that around so that People feel a lot, you know, a lot more confident about what they're doing and their impact reporting and really um, maybe give them a formula that walks them through it so that the bases are covered. Because a lot of times they were not very good because they were missing some key ingredients. You know, it's like it's like if you're going to bake a cookie and you don't measure your ingredients just so it might not come out all that well. 
it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing. What you put in is what you get out. So we wanted to find like a formula that at the baseline, even for a small company, that they were like key pieces that were included. This is what, this is the baseline skeleton of an impact report. Follow the structure and you'll be fine. You know, obviously you can do, if you're a company with a lot of interesting stories, with a lot of impact, you're very active across a number of, you know, community efforts, you do advocacy, you have cool campaigns, you know, sure, this thing could be much larger and bigger and have a lot, be much more robust. And then you have a lot to say, and it's probably going to be great no matter. But for a lot of the companies in that kind of like early to middle stage where they're new to the impact reporting, just let's just make sure we cover all the bases and give you a good structure to start with. And then as you kind of develop, mature and grow your wings, you can you can do more. I love that. I love that. And I think that makes a ton of sense. And the thing that I think is really cool, too, is that it's a great vehicle for non B Corps to kind of dip their toe in the water into thinking more about their impact and measuring their impact and becoming a better business for all, right? Not just, yeah. you know, the, the bot, not just profits. Right. Um, and so I love that. Uh, I I'm so curious kind of thinking about that business as a force for good. I'm um, so, so you've been in the B Corp community for, as you mentioned, over 10 years, how did you find the B Corp community and, and, and what kind of compelled you to, uh, to certify and, and keep maintain that over the years? So B Corp community was very different than 2012. You know, the lab was not the same organization that it is now. Um, Back then, I had learned about B Corp certification from one of our clients. We were working with a solo developer out here in Maryland where we are based, and they were they just got certified and they were B Corp. And they were telling us about it, and we just thought, wow, this is fantastic. And then they invited us to a breakfast they organized for other companies interested in the certification. And at that time... There was a restaurant and a cafe called Busboys and Poets in D.C. that was actually also certified. The restaurant has grown tremendously. They now have uh, locations across the entire you know, DMV area, but they no longer B Corp. So Andrew Salal, who is the owner of the Busboys and Poets um, chain, was really excited about the B Corp certification and hosted this breakfast for anybody in the D.C. area who was interested. And B-Lab was such a young nonprofit at the time, and that was so accessible and so eager to promote the certification, they actually sent staff to the event, which, you know, has long, has, that practice has long been changed. Now you can't get in touch with them, you get a bot. That's how we learned about it. It was a no-brainer for us because we were already at that point primarily working, you know, with mission um, focused organizations. So it, it was sort of um, an easy transition. We got certified and immediately got audited. So that was really um, a jarring experience. I was completely terrified that here we're a newly certified B Corp and like months into a certification, we get audited. And that turned out to be actually a great experience. And the woman who B Lab sent down to do a audit now owns her own B Corp in North Carolina. And um, so it's a full circle, you know? Once you join the B Corp community, I don't, I don't know that you actually ever leave. And so to that end, do, I'm curious, do you have any advice for uh, for folks that are, you know, maybe they have a vision or a dream or they want to, you know, use business as a force for good in some way, but maybe just don't know where to get started. What advice do you have for those folks? Well, um, what do they say for startups? Uh, always be selling, right? So I guess I will say, check out Unit of Impact as your, um, it will definitely open your, open a door for you to think about how to measure and track your impact. 
And the one thing I will say, and this, this is, I think, applies to everybody, um, is that I hear a lot from companies that they feel like they have to do it all, right? Mm. They have to do, we have to be an active player in the community. We have to do all this DEI work. We have to um, be a leader in the environment. We have to be amazing in our product. We have to have an impact, like, and before you know it, it gets so overwhelming, especially for a small business, that it could potentially backfire and just kind of paralyze you into non-action too. So, and, and it's certainly true when it comes to impact reporting. The number one reason I hear why people don't do an impact report is because they don't think they have enough to report. You know, they feel like they, we have to have more to say, then we'll, it'll be worthwhile which is completely not true and a self-defeating kind of attitude. So the one thing I will say is instead of trying to do it all, you know, just, just do one thing really well. Like if you really care about your community and that's what gets you excited and you have deep connections with nonprofits in your community and you just have a staff who enjoys getting out there and volunteering and doing hands-on, like that's fantastic. Do that, do more of that, you know, from year to year. And in your impact report, really talk about that. Highlight those people, highlight those stories, highlight those nonprofits. Like you can do an entire impact report that really just talks about the work you do in the community. You don't need to get into, you know, environment and people. Like you don't, nobody says you do. You could, that could just be highlights. That could be just some data points that could be other way represented, if at all. And you could really lean all in into a section that you, you know, into kind of an impact area that you just really feel passionate about. So, so I really, really want to buzz that myth that you have to do it all. And you have to have all this data. You have to have all these metrics. And you have to have all these stories. Because none of us do. And especially in the small business community, that's just not realistic. There's also like you actually have to run a business, right? And make sure there's revenue. As Jay Cohen, one of the founders of B Lab, used to say, no margin, no mission. Mm. So, you know, let's make sure that the business is profitable and there's a margin and there's actually money to do all these impact work as well. That's amazing. So I just have to say that is so validating because I'm in the midst of like trying to navigate our kind of be impact report and it sounds like I'm not alone in feeling this way. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can only think of like three metrics that I can report on, like carbon offset, the amount we donate, and volunteerism. And I'm like, how do I write a report out of three figures? Like, how do you like I'm so curious if you have any advice for how folks can think differently. Cause I think that the for me, I'm like, okay, there are three numbers. How, like, how do I, you know what I mean? Like, how do you write a whole report around like three numbers? So, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you do show notes for the podcast. Do you do yes, show notes? absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'll be happy to follow up with you and send you a link to um, an impact report that um, Crystal Mario from Rivana, which is a B Corp based in uh, Virginia, just published yesterday oh, using cool. our, one of our templates. And you could see how um, she used the template to present her their impact story. And they are an amazing company. I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. But I think she did an amazing job using the simplest template we have. So we, the templates we have in the tool have various level of complexity, you know, because they, like you said, there are some companies that just have less to tell. and But you could still use a template and do it. And that's what she did. And it, it looks great. It tells a great story of their 20. 21, you know, impact year. I'll also share with you a couple of blogs we've written on, you know, what are some key ingredients in the impact report? What do you want to talk about? How do you present the information? But people forget to include some of the basics. You know, they kind of focus on like, okay, I have three things. That doesn't make enough of a story. But then you you have to kind of maybe take a step back and think about, all right, well, I should also include our brand foundation. I should also talk about what it is we do, what our products and services. 
Because let me tell you, I have seen so many impact reports where people don't put that on. So you read the impact report and you have no idea what this company actually does other than they're forced for good. So I always joke that if I was an alien and I came to planet Earth and I just was presented with like these impact reports and be like, whoa, you can make a living on this planet by being a force for good, you know, because nobody like bothers to say we actually do X, Y and Z. And that's what our company does, you know. Um, like you, what's your business? So don't forget to talk about that as well and make sure to set that up. It's also really important to have, even if it's very short, a letter from the founder, CEO or somebody, you know, somebody who's running the company. I think that that sets the tone for the impact report. And then it's nice to have a little bit that quick uh, snapshot, what we call by the numbers, just like a, it could be three numbers, but just a quick snapshot of what happened in the past year, some key things. And then you can get into a little bit of the storytelling. And let's say your three numbers are about your carbon, your volunteering. And what was the third thing you said? Uh, dollars donated. Dollars donated. So, hey, maybe you have a story. Maybe you have some nice pictures from the volunteering event you guys did. Maybe... You want to tell me about the nonprofit that the dollars were donated to and why you chose them, why, how it re- their work resonated with your group. You know, like there's okay. like you can build a story out of the decisions that went into this or even carbon. You know, there's always a story behind the number. So it's kind of finding that story and, and getting it out there. And then the, it's good to have a section with the certifications, you know. B Lab, one percent planet, whatever, whatever else is out there, and then it's really important to set some goals for the following year. You know, it could be really simple. It could be three bullet points. It could be a paragraph, but it's sort of starting to think about what do you want to improve, or what may be something new you want to try, or like what what's on your mind as a company in terms of what's coming up in an impact area. And before you know it, you have a nice impact report. That's amazing. Okay, so now if I'm totally sold on on unit of impact, which I totally am, how do I, where do I go to jump in and get started? So you go to unitofimpact.com. There's a button on every single page of the website that invites you to try a, a free demo. So we've, we have a 21-day free demo. Because we want to give everybody a chance to poke around. You know, this is our first iteration of the tool. We have such a big dreams of how we want to enhance it and improve it. But, you know, we had to start somewhere. And this is that somewhere. So it's not going to take you hours to look around. You can very quickly poke around and kind of see what kind of questions we ask in a data measurement section. You can go to the impact reporting module and take a look at the templates that are there. You can kind of pretend to do an impact report and just poke around and see what kind of questions and kind of info and what that looks like. Like it's 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 kind of fun to actually go through it and poke around and, and check it out. And you have 21 days to do that, so you don't have to feel all that pressure. Do it all in one shot, and then if it's something that you could see value in, then by all means, join us in this community and um, become a customer. And we really went out of our way, did a lot of research into pricing to make sure that it this tool is affordable and accessible for small businesses. So the price point starts at a very low point so that even a solopreneur who is kind of early in the entrepreneurial journey can afford it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so and so important too, like thinking about accessibility and all of that. So that's that's awesome. Um, any final thoughts or parting wisdom you want to leave with listeners? Um, I just really want to encourage everybody to not be intimidated by a lot of like terms that are thrown around. One of the first things we did is create a glossary so that anybody coming in 
to the tool. And if you're not coming from a, you know, social impact kind of sustainability world, you may get jarred by some of the jargon over there, a lot of terms being thrown around. So check out the glossary. From day one, our mojo was, this is going to be human to human kind of a product. This is never going to sound like a robot is speaking to you. This is never going to sound like you need a PhD to understand what is being asked of you. So we're trying to really bring down the barrier to entry and invite as many companies interested in, you know, contributing to their communities, their people, their employees, building a better world to be, to partake and, um, you know, that would be our dream to, to see more companies measuring, tracking the impact and improving the impact along the way. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. If you're eager to check out Unit of Impact, you can find them at unitofimpact.com and start your free trial. If you're loving it, you can use the code EARLYBIRD2022 for 20% off at checkout. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. All three of those actions help more folks like yourself find this content, which in turn helps us be able to continue producing it for you. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate you. Till next time, be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine. Music was composed and performed by Kevin Oates. This podcast is brought to you by our parent company, Dirigo Collective. To learn more about Dirigo Collective, visit dirigocollective.com. To explore other episodes and resources from Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com.